Welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and this is our TV news edition, where we are going to sit and talk about all of the news, well, I say all, all of the news that I have selected from the past two weeks, because that's how long it's been since the last news show. Um, and it's a really fairly meaty amount, uh, I'll have to say. Um, Chrome asked me if I was sure if I wanted to open all 35 tabs that I had ready uh, for this endeavour, and... I think the computer was, uh, I mean, I don't think my computer was sweating a little bit. I think Chrome just has to assume you have an average computer. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Just, just in case. Like, you know, you're, you're on your old, you know, MacBook from 2012. It's like, hey, you sure you want to do this to it? Are you sure you want to put it through its paces like this? It'll probably catch fire. Uh, but, yes, so... Connor's literally clanking bottles of booze as I'm doing my intro. Well, look, all I'm saying is, you're, you're going, oh, it's going to be, it's, it's a big one. There's a lot. I'm like, well, I'm going to need a drink. Well, I made a drink for this first one because the first story is about Mindhunter and it's not particularly good news. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily done forever. I mean, Fincher sounds like he wants to come back to it at some point years from now, but it's essentially on indefinite hiatus and that he is basically... And I'm a, I'm a little bit annoyed at Fincher for this because the way he talks about it, he it, it basically sounds like he didn't really quite predict the workload of running a TV show and is already wanting to leave and do movies and stuff because like he was really... And I'd be fine with that to a point, but the fact that there's like a there's a running I won't, I won't get any spoilers but there's a running thing throughout season one and two that's building to something that's going to happen later there's a running thread that theoretically could last like five six seven seasons if they wanted to keep going and build up to this conclusion and now it's just lingering in there and i'm like see if you just didn't have that thread i'd be like oh you know what fine come back in five years do a season three give it a wrap up that'll be fun great but instead i mean like the best I'm hoping for now is like a, a Mindhunter BTK movie. Like, come back, do like a three-hour movie with the cast. Just give them a send-off. That'll be sure. good. But I'm annoyed at him because I feel like he just... He's like a kid who's like convinced he wants a puppy and then he, has to, he takes it for a walk two times and goes, oh, I think I've made a mistake here. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I read this... When, you know, he made a few comments about it. I, correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't got it in front of me, but I believe he kind of was like... You know, the, the first season, it was great. I went in there with it all kind of written. I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. The second season, it was like, yeah, it was kind of a mess. Had to get, like, you know, massive tons of rewrites and extra people involved that he hadn't predicted. And it took, like, way longer than he expected. And then Netflix were like, hey, do you want to do some movies for us as well? And he was like, yes, let me do that instead, which is why I think uh, Mank is, is the new movie he's got coming out with Netflix. He, the, the quote here that really sticks out to me is he said in this interview... I don't know if I have it in me right now to break season three. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, David, that you feel a little bit tired uh, of the show that you like championed and convinced us all was a great idea and that we enjoyed greatly. And now we're all left hanging because it's it mm. is a bit of a catch twenty two though. Because if he just churned out whatever shit came out and he was like that'll do, because he just doesn't have the he doesn't have the the mental effort, the the, the passion to actually deliver something up to the standards of the first two seasons, we'd just be complaining that season three was terrible. And I think I'd rather just... I think at that point I'd rather not have it than have a terrible third season. Yeah, well... But, he, he, yeah, that's disappointing. He committed cardinal sins at the start of his career with Alien 3 anyway, so, I mean, we're coming back around full circle now, and I'm mad at David Fincher once more. Um, 
So, <laughs> and yes, I, before anyone says in the comments, I know studio interference was a big thing on that, but he already killed off characters from Aliens at the start before there was any interference, okay? So I'm not like, giving him a complete free pass. Just oh, was that his on. choice? It's, I, I, well, I, I don't know what was him and what wasn't. I don't know if it was his choice per se. I mean, maybe that was just like, well, we're making this movie and the cast aren't coming back, so you just have to kind of do it. But yeah. uh, regardless... And, and, you know, speaking of cast coming back, that might be a problem with any potential third season or movie wrap-up down the line. Is uh, You know, everyone got released from their contracts. Uh, they did. I don't think it's as big a deal for a movie, though. I think it's much easier to wrangle a cast, especially since in this case, I don't think the cast in this are that huge. huge. That, no, 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 that's fair. They're um, attainable. But it is still lining everything up, even for a movie, can be awkward, um, but well, especially <laughs> if they want to do it as a, as a, as a TV season. It just so happens that they're all probably quite free right now. It's unfortunate that David Fincher is just not in the mood. Um, it's very harsh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, here's one for you. I'm not going to say much about it. Archer's been renewed for a 12th season. I'm all for it. Archer's great. I love it. It's getting good ratings, apparently, in season 11, so they're all happy. Yeah, yeah, that's because it's post-coma, and people are like, yes, this is what we want. There was like two or three coma seasons where it was oh, all okay. in his head. All right. Okay, uh, okay. And and now it's back to the real world, the real cast. Ah, oh, oh, say real cast, real characters. Uh, mm. Well, so yeah. Anyway, uh, we get a premiere date for season two of Servant, the M Night Shyamalan Apple TV show. I thought it was worth mentioning. This is coming back on January fifteenth. So if you were uh, into that, and yeah, the first episode we tried wasn't too bad. Like it had potential. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I will admit, I'd forgotten it existed. Well, that's because we forget Apple TV exists most days. That, that is true, actually, to be so fair. I, I, I'm not going to hold that on the show, necessarily. And then likewise with premiere dates, uh, where are we here? Uh, American Gods Season 3 has got a premiere date. And I thought this was really notable, the deadline article for this. This is the headline. American Gods set Season 3 premiere date. Neil Gaiman says, story back on track. Which I'm like, wait... <laughs> Did he not think side. season two was that good? <laughs> I'll be honest, it has been so long since I heard about this show that I assumed season three aired already, like it's been and gone. Like that's mm-hmm. how long it's been since we heard anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so coming back uh, for season three, um, hold on, what's, the, what's the actual date in the article here? This is, uh, this is dodgy. Um... 10 episode season of course where's the date where, where? so here's the thing I, I made up some of this news like over a week ago because we were going to record the news last week and then we had to like delay it so some of this news I've not looked at for a week um, but typically I'm usually quite good at just looking and finding the, the relevant details because they usually write their articles in the same way but this doesn't actually have the thing near the top oh here we go here we go January 10th American Gods is back in January 10th on Stars. Busy January. Should, well, should, not for us so not far, for us, but yes. I mean... Um, but here you go. Uh, Away was ca- cancelled. This is the, the Netflix Hillary Swank show, They're Going to Mars. Um, did we not already talk about this on the news? Well, I think we did, but the reason why I put this article in here, because this isn't the cancellation itself article. This was another one... I was going to say, because I distinctly I, remember you laughing. I, I want to mention the, the headline t- uh, to this. Uh, Hilary Swank reacts to away cancellation. So that's what this article really is. But the quotation they've put in the headline is, wish we were showing you Mars. And all I could think was, oh, so you didn't quite get there. Uh, <laughs> to be one. fair, 
I think we both predicted that we that did. wouldn't have happened because that's just... the premise of the entire show. It's not, well, it's not the premise of the, If that was going to be season two, it's not the premise of the entire show that they're on the way to Mars. Uh, okay, sure, but, you know, the 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 journey and the mission is... I, just... I, I don't think any of us expected Mars in the first season. Look, the show was bad, okay? It was a really bad it show. It was fine. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't offensively bad. It was bad. Uh... Saved by the Bells coming back. There was a trailer which Cora refused to watch, but don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, I have uh, taken the bullet and watched the trailer for Saved by the Bell, the reboot coming to Peacock. I, I'll say it, it wasn't like some big, like, oh, I, you know, massive reason why I didn't watch this trailer. I just, I don't give a shit about Saved by the Bell. Never have. I have. And you don't care about lots of the, lots of the things we talk no, about. No, but there, no, but if, if there's a trailers, you know, I, I, you know I'm not going to watch it. Like, like, right, we talked about the, the Dexter reboot last time. I'm going to watch a trailer for the Dexter reboot when that drops, because I've got nothing to say about it. Because um, I never watched Dexter. if you watched the trailer. No, because I never watched Dexter, so it means nothing to me. And, and it's, it's the same here, where I don't have any attachment whatsoever to this, so I'm not the audience for this. So I've got kind of nothing to say. Whatever. You can't take two and a half minutes out of your precious day to watch a silly trailer which may give you something to make fun of or may give you something to comment on. After all, we're on a show where we comment on the news but Carl's is refusing to acknowledge the news is there out of some weird technicality. Yeah, same thing. It looks really bad. Like, that's just that's, that's the, the longest shot of it. it. It looks really vapid and painfully unfunny. Uh, you've got, like, four of the original cast members back, a couple of which I think are teachers. Zach's mayor, which we mentioned, that was one of the funny things in the premise from a while ago, is that mm. Zach is now mayor. And what, uh, probably the most the st- thing that stood out to me the most about that is that he... The actor, that is, he... Obviously, we saw him in Pitch, and once you told me that's who he was, I was like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see it. But because, obviously, this is a sequel to Save by the Bell, uh, or a reboot to Save by the Bell... They've obviously given him the blonde hair. They've shaved his beard, and they've, you know. And I'm like, you know what? He actually does look like Zach growing up, whereas he didn't before. Before, you know, okay, I could tell it's the actor. I could tell it's that guy. Whereas well, once now, you know, you can kind of see it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas now, I look at, you know, he popped up, and I'm like, oh shit! They've actually done a good job of making him look as close as possible to what he looked like in the 1990s. He just this, looks middle aged now. This is why they have professional hair and makeup departments. There's a few people missing from the original cast. Um, I don't know. You know, if they're the, the more or less important ones, um, but... Won't offer enough money, perhaps? I, I don't know. Maybe they're not even acting anymore. I don't know. That's true. It's possible. I, I have no idea. It's been such a long-ass time that who knows what. Uh, all of the teens in the show, though, they they all came... Not, not that the teens in the original show came across in any great like, layers of depth, but they all feel like just the most CW, chirpy, nonsense characters from this trailer. Uh, painfully unfunny is the best that I can uh, describe. So, next up, uh, Oscar Isaac is apparently in talks for Moon Knight, uh, the Disney Plus Marvel show, which is uh, a thing that's happening, and obviously some of these shows are sounding pretty cool. Moon Knight's not a character I really know anything about. I only really know him from the first Marvel Ultimate Alliance video game. <laughs> I'm very specific. I've never read anything. Of, well, you look cool in that that game, but I've never really read. I think I've read like an issue one or two, like out of. He like, was. He was in the last arc of Avengers that I read, the the current ongoing run from Jason Aaron, and he was there. And I'm like, okay, sure, this character exists. I, I don't really know much about him still, though. Yeah, 
so it's, it's got a bit of cred just in that it seems like the quality of these Disney Marvel Plus shows or Disney Plus Marvel shows is you know seem seems to be promising so far. And Oscar Isaac's a pretty good name if they do happen to get him for it. But uh, other than that, I have nothing to really add because I don't know all the character I, enough. All I really have to say is I appreciate you um, wording it correctly at the start of this story that allegedly in talks uh, because this this uh, you know hit the internet I don't know a week ago whenever it was and the entire internet was like well this is just a fact now and, and I'm like, I mean it's it's likely don't be wrong it's it, the, more often than not these things you know wind up being true. But, you know, just treating it as, well, it might not be true, wouldn't go amiss. Let us move on. Uh, so, Why the Last Man, which is redoing its pilot uh, before it comes back, uh, it has officially started production on its new pilot. <laughs> so, and this, is, this is a weird kind of thing now that we're actually getting more and more stories of things that are actually shooting. And they're obviously they're shooting with, you know procedures in place a lot of strict rules about what they can and can't do and you know safety precautions and all the rest of it but we're, i was i was so used to just nothing is shooting for like six months there that it's kind of weird now but yeah so this is uh starting to shoot this is the fx slash hulu now uh this because it was always fx but obviously everything in the last year two years <laughs> has changed that slightly uh, there's two new cast changes on the project. Uh, Ashley Romans and Olivia Thelby have joined the series, replacing the originally cast Lashana Lynch and Imogen Poots. Uh, Imogen Poots being replaced is actually kind of upsetting because I like her a lot. Uh, I yeah, thought she, me I too. Thought she was a good choice for the sister character, but hey, uh, that I guess could have been a scheduling thing. Yeah, this is a thing where, well, you say a scheduling thing. It could be entirely just that she's trapped in a different country from where they're shooting and she can't fly there. So. I'm, I'm- Counting that under scheduling yeah. right now, um, and because at first you say this story, it's not uncommon for you know pilots when they redo things to to recast. Uh, it's pretty normal anyway. Uh, but that one in particular, because she's probably the biggest name that was there, uh, feels like not a creative choice. No, no, I, I think this is more to do with just the world that we're in right now, and so, something as simple as traveling to and from these shooting locations rather than a traditional scheduling conflict which is just oh they get pushed back and now it's conflicting with something else and she has to pull out so i, I don't think there's a difference there uh but hey you know what it's, it's shooting so we may actually see this pilot this time uh, so, maybe if they change the name yet you know it has been referred to as why the last man in this article there's, there's nothing saying that it changed its name back but it's, it's been referred to as Why the Last Man, so I wonder if when they decided to redo the pilot, the, the title just reverted to its original form. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Because Why has no searchability. Nope. Uh, next up, we have some casting as well for Stargirl Season 2. Now, we do cover this show. We, we like Season 1. So it was well worth mentioning that uh, Nick uh, Tarabay, who was in The Expanse, uh, he's going to play Eclipso in Season 2. And then Jonathan Cake is going to be recurring as The Shade. So those are both... Uh, we knew Eclipse was coming, The Shade. Uh, was he implied? That the he was, because... Yeah, there was, there was the two T's at the end. That's right, that's right. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot that scene. You're right. Uh, so they're both on their way for season two. Uh, obviously, we're familiar with the Expanse actor. He was like a, a Vassarala's like, right-hand man. Oh, okay. I know who you're on about now. Uh, so he's going to be I didn't Eclipso. recognize him by just the name. So, there you go. Worth mentioning. Uh, so, moving on. Uh, da, 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 da. 
Okay. Uh, so this is actually an old story, this one. This was something in one of the later TV show articles. I happened to notice something. They mentioned something. And this must have been like a week we didn't have a, have a news episode. And then it just got lost in the shuffle when we came back. But <laughs> it really stuck out to me because I'm like, oh, wait, this is actually not a big deal per se. It's, it's ultimately meaningless, but it's a big deal in the sense that it would have gotten confusing after a while if I hadn't noticed this. Is that CBL Access is changing its name. <laughs> Oh, do you know what? I think I did see this. Yeah, this actually was uh, from the middle of September, so this, this is uh, about a month and a half old now. But when I noticed it in one of the articles saying, hey, it's coming to this formerly known as, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and I went searching for the news of it changing. So CBLS All Access, if I can say it properly, uh, early 2021 is going to officially change its name to Paramount+. Plus. Maybe they're changing it just so that you can have a easier time saying it. I mean, I've never had a problem before this episode, so that is, uh, is a they whatever had some joke. Foresight. Um, I'm not a big fan of the Apple Plus, Disney Plus, now Paramount Plus uh, naming convention. Um, I'm not either. I think I don't mind it because at least if someone says Plus at the end of something, okay, I go okay, it's a streaming service. I get like if you t- if you say Paramount Plus to me. I have a vision in mind of what that is. If you say Peacock to me, I'm like, what? So, you know, I think it's got that going for it as a just as a rule of thumb. Oh, yeah, because Peacock Plus would kill the confusion. Although, it, it wouldn't, but, you know, it, it, I mean, you know, <laughs> Universal Plus, on the other hand, I, I might. But Peacock is a thing. I'm like, you know, okay, if it's a, a studio or a network or a brand with the plus at the end, I'm like, okay, I've got an idea what this is. And... I actually think this is probably a good thing to move away from the CBS, not branding switch, but more just the the baggage that that brings with it, the expectations. And, you know, Paramount, it it implies it's wider than just CBS things. And obviously it's not really just CBS anyway. It's, you know, it's whatever they wanted on there. But I think, I do <clears throat> think just calling it CBS, whatever, actually puts some people off it. Yeah, I also wonder if this is maybe a, a foreshadow to a, a more of a, an international rollout, because uh, CBS doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot to most places, but Paramount, mm. on the other hand, and seeing that mountain does. So uh, maybe that's something that they're maybe looking to do at some point down the line. But yeah, so Paramount Plus is uh, what it's going to be called. So like I say, that is actually old news, but I happened to just come across it in another article and went, wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> I went back and I found do, it. I do remember like vaguely seeing it on Twitter and going, oh, that's a thing. And then just completely forgetting about it by the time we next you know, did the news. Yeah, so moving into some comedies then. Um, hope, hopefully these are all actually in the right order for the sections. Uh, so I guess a little bit hairy when they've been, you know, the two different weeks were assembled separately and then mixed in together. Sometimes there's little, you know, little uh, mistakes here or there. Spillage. Uh, just, just warning. So HBO Max is putting development accessible, a half-hour comedy from special creator, uh, writer and star Ryan O'Connell with Jim Parsons and Todd Spiewak's uh, That's Wonderful Productions uh, behind it. So accessible is a half-hour uh, tromedy. They're getting really cute now with the, the merging words with comedy. So accessible is a half-hour tromedy that follows Claire a 15-year-old girl who's recently been in an accident and is forced to attend a boarding school for people with all kinds of disabilities. There, she discovers the usual teenage dilemmas of sex, love and friendship, and even more complicated in a wheelchair. 
It's like if John Hughes, a movie, had a handicapped orgy per producers. That's a hell of a way to describe your show. Um, it made it made me more interested by liking it to you know a, a John Hughes movie uh, in tone, I guess. Because before that, I'm like, oh, it sounds really just generic. I'm like, okay, whatever. But if you say, oh, it's it's like a John Hughes movie, that gives me a a sense of tone uh, a little bit more. Uh, makes me a little bit more interested. I mean, I think I would have assumed it wasn't going to feel like a generic sitcom just because it's on HBO Max as opposed to one of the the usual places. That's but... fair. I just don't know what HBO Max comedy feels like yet, so I don't have a, a baseline. Nor do I, but I would assume not generic. I would assume it's going to feel a little bit different to that. That's at least. fair. It was a very generic sounding description, though, for the most part. Uh, next up, Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen are going to start in Platonic, an Apple TV Plus comedy. Uh, it's received a 10 episode order it explores the inner workings of a platonic friendship a pair of former best friends who met in their youth reconnect as adults and try to mend the rift that led to their falling out as their friendship becomes more consuming it destabilizes their lives and causes them to reevaluate their choices I'm going to, to go on a wild limb here and say that by the end of the show it's not so platonic nah whatever I don't, I don't really care about it that's fair. I don't really care that much either. Yeah. Uh, next comedy series here. Thomas Hayden Church has been set as the lead and will executive produce in The Texanist, a multi-camera comedy. The Texanist. I'm assuming I'm saying that. I don't even know if it's a real word. It's probably not. Uh, it doesn't sound like a real word. It sounds like yeah, a made-up TV thing. Uh, so it's inspired by David Courtney's Texas Monthly column. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it's the development of Fox. Um, of course, Fox are doing the Texanist. <laughs> what else would it be? Uh, written by Cheers alum Rob Long, the Texanist centers on Dave, played by Thomas Hayden Church, an opinionated Austin era radio show host who calls him like he sees him, dispensing advice to Texas natives and newcomers alike. Well, they need to replace that uh, very conservative Tim Allen comedy that's ending now, so I guess this is maybe their, their replacement for it. Uh, but uh, yes. So he's uh, truly into the Texas way of life. But the Texas way of life is changing, uh, and now Dave's job is becoming more and more complicated. Listening to advice from his wife, family, and co-workers, Dave must now become the arbiter of which changes to embrace and which to reject, possibly opening his mind in the process, just not that much. I hate this. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, all right, Adam's family. What about it? <laughs> Tim Burton's doing Adam's Family TV show. <laughs> he is, of course, he is. I, I, I feel. I feel like. I feel like. How how has this not happened already? Yeah. So this would be a first for him because he's never really done like a you know a long form live action TV show or anything like that. But yeah, Tim Burton is working on the Adam's Family, developed a new series, uh, of course, based on the old TV show. So, yeah, uh, and apparently <laughs> he's working oh, alongside Alfred Goff and Miles Miller. I don't know if you remember those names. Oh, how could I forget? They were at the beginning of every episode of a certain TV show that ran for 10 seasons. Yes, uh, the creators of Smallville are working with them. So you got Tim Burton and the creators of Smallville. What a combination. That is a, um, yeah, that is mm. something. So MGM TV owns the rights to the IP, so they'll be kind of involved in it. But the actual, you know, broadcaster or whoever it ends up, uh, apparently there's a a bidding 
not, I don't know if it's a war per se, but there's a bidding going on. Uh, Netflix uh, yeah, are involved. It doesn't surprise me that there's interest given the you know the the remaining popularity of the the brand of the Adams family, mm-hmm. right? It's still pretty recognizable by you know everyone alive, give or take. Yeah, uh, the Adams family, of course, is a fictional household created by American cartoonist Charles Adams in 1938. Uh, I did not know it was something before the TV show. To be honest, I, I assumed the original TV show was the the start of it, but fair enough. The cartoonist uh, who created them. Uh, has a number of screen iterations over the years, including two live-action TV series, a film franchise starring Royal Julia and Angelica Houston with Christopher Lloyd, uh, and most recently had an animated movie. Or is coming, it's about to get an animated movie. Uh, no, it had one, but the sequel's coming. <laughs> yeah, I think... Is that the one with Oscar Isaac in? Yes, yes, that's that one. Does that exist already? Is that, like, out in yeah, the, the world? The first one came out, but there's a second one coming next year. Okay. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm fond of the two 90s movies. I think uh, uh, they're entertaining, especially the second one. I, I obviously am not a Tim Burton fan. Anyone who knows me knows that I cannot stand the works of Tim Burton. So I'm basically... Admittedly, though, I have to confess that Adam's Family as a concept does feel kind of perfect for his quirkiness to... It, no, it really does. If you had to take any sort of established brand of pretty much anything that exists and goes right what what would make a great tim burton thing I, I, that's th- got to be in the top three i think he's just pissed that had that uh, vampire one he did with johnny depp didn't work out because that was based on the tv show that oh, I never dark heard shadows of. that's the one dark shadows i, I wonder if he's just pissed that that kind of you know just bombed and no one cared about it so he's like determined to like, i'm going to do an old tv show damn it and it's going to be popular people are going <laughs> to love it that's possible and, and like i say though it does feel like a top three timber and brand to exist so i feel like this will make a lot of people very happy should this assuming it feels like a timber thing but the end product i, I can't imagine mm-hmm. this disappointing the people who this excites i can't imagine being disappointed by it yeah uh, i will take this time to thank our patreon producers uh, for the month before we move on so thank you to tyler hess and the palaceus david sharp born now al treisman christopher moy brett williams and david brown they are Patreon producers, which means they are patrons of $20 or more at patreon.com slash TV, where you can support us for as little as $1 per month and get bonuses for your trouble, help keep all the content coming, show your support, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, $1 is more than we would make if you watched every single video that we put out in a month. So uh, every dollar does count. And don't feel bad if you can't do that, though, because uh, hitting the like button and commenting and sharing and subscribing, all those things do help. So uh, please do and support the shows and do any number of those things so yeah uh so next up there's an assassin's creed tv show and development at netflix uh at, at least one because uh, we you know there was talk of maybe more uh this is very exciting very exciting as indeed a, as a, uh, yeah. it is and i say that with there being as far as i'm aware literally zero details of what it's going to be, when it's going to be, showrunner, anything. But just the idea of this franchise's property is much more suited for a TV show than it is a movie. Yeah, well, they're developing live-action animated and anime series with Ubisoft. They're partnering up. Um, yeah, whatever. I, I, I'm not a big... I, well, I was going say I'm not a big fan of the franchise. I'm not, I'm not remotely a fan of the franchise. So I have no horse in this race. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan, and like I say you know, the, the 
the general premise being you have a modern day person and then you have a machine that lets you access their DNA and then go into the past and you know and, and relive their ancestors' lives. And that's, you know, tends to be an assassin. It's kind of the premise. Uh not always though, but mostly. And you know, that was a lot to try and fit into that movie. You know, what two-ish hour movie that had a fast bender in it. It's a lot of information to try and convey to get any sort of plot going. This makes a lot more sense as a TV show. You can do, you know, start and end of each episode or, or whatever. You, you know, even just the start you can do in the present day real world, and then the rest you can do set in the past. Can I have that story going? It it makes a lot of sense to me. Sure. But moving on, I have nothing to add. I don't care. Well, I do have something more to say about is the development of a Ginger Snaps TV show, which uh, I am quite fond of uh, the original Ginger Snaps. I think it's a fantastic movie. It's it's pretty good. It is one of the best, if not the best, werewolf movie. So, Kelly and Eve producer Sid Gentle Films is teaming with Copperhead Entertainment uh, to who who are the producers of the uh, the Ginger Snaps trilogy. Because uh, there was three of them. Uh, but they're working on a TV adaptation. And they've got, uh, you know, people on board. They've got John Fawcett, uh, who is co-creator of the original film and co-creator uh, of Orphan Black, which obviously was a very popular TV show. So, yeah. Uh, Anna C. Anna Semiuba, I'll butchering that, I do apologize, uh, is going to write the Ginger Snaps TV series, which is going to tell the story of sisters Ginger and Bridget who are self-imposed outcasts in their hometown. Inseparable and fascinated with the macabre, they make a pact to escape their sleepy suburban home by 16 or else take their own lives. But on the night of her first period, Ginger is attacked and infected by a werewolf which unleashes a monstrous kind of puberty. Bridget can't understand this new version of her sister, who is violent and sexual. As a bloody trail begins to form in Ginger's wake, Bridget must find a way to curb her sister's new cravings or risk losing her forever. Uh, I uh, mean, that's... Yeah, I don't know if you read a description for the TV show or just the movie there. Uh, well, that's a description of the TV show, which I was about to say is does just sound like the, the plot of the movie, which makes sense. I can totally see how you take the movie and turn it into a 10-episode thing. Okay. I I think the concern here is, depending on what sort of tone they're going for and where this ends up, is just how much of a teen show it's going to end up being. Because you can easily see how they stretch this out and how it's a, a teen drama set at high school when the movie is doesn't... I mean, there's elements of teen stuff there, obviously, but it doesn't feel like it's focusing on that in the same way. Um, it's, you know, the the whole idea of the werewolf being this metaphor for, for coming of age and, and growing up and uh, the fact that she's bitten the day of her first period is not an accident. That's a very <laughs> on-the-nose bit of, uh, you know, metaphorical storytelling. So, um I think the movie's great. Now, this mm-hmm. might be a complete and utter disaster. In fact, I probably would lean towards it being that, or at the very least being some sort of weird, disappointing kind of alternate version that's not as good. But, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why not I, have I, more I, ginger snaps in the world, I guess? I, I do think, like I say, the problem is it's a pretty tight movie as it is. And, okay, they want to stretch this out over 10 episodes or whatever it's going to be. The concern is where are they adding stuff? Is it going to be just all the the teen drama, which feels the easiest area to add to for a TV show, but would also probably diminish it quite a bit. 
I mean, you, you make the turn more slow, and you, you can, like, her first kill can be, like, the end of episode three or something. I don't know. Like, you, you can sort of, like, pace out, like, all the steps of what the story is. I, I, I totally get that. The concern is, is, like, how much of the plot, as we're going episode to episode, is about other things. Uh, so, I, I you know, uh, it, uh, I don't know. I always said, I'll check it out when it happens. If it happens, I'll check it out, because mm. I'll, I'll be morbidly curious, and it'll be worth talking about at least the first episode, but yeah it's kind of this weird thing where i do think it's that it, it's one of the most genuine little surprises i ever found just late night on cable in the mid 2000s was you know stumbling into ginger snaps on the sci-fi channel at like two in the morning um but it was a pleasant find and i i think that you know Catherine isabel and her co-star whose name i do not remember but playing those sisters uh you know make that movie so much of what it is and then mixed with the the dark sort of low budget tone and style and I, I, that's probably my first concern is that you take a movie that was made like and this is not an old super old movie you know it came out in what 2000 but about that, yeah. you take a movie that's you know this low budget film from that time and i just imagine the modern tv version you know being shot with 4k cameras all brightly lit and slick looking and i'm just like the atmosphere of what makes that movie feel like that movie just feels like it's went away at that point i think and it's kind of my problem with any modern update that they do of a lot of old stuff. It's, you know, it's, you know, it, maybe not to quite the same extent, but, you know, when you watch, like, say, Star Trek Picard and everything's all slick looking and it's all futuristic and, I mean, obviously it was always futuristic, but, it, you know, everything's, there's all lens flares, it's all these things, and it's like, doesn't really feel like the world Picard was in <laughs> in the previous hmm. series that he was inhabiting. So it's, you know. Yeah, this manages to avoid that a little bit by, you know, not being directly connected. Uh, well, yeah, so my, helps, my, my complaint. But, uh, there, no, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, my, my complaint is just losing the atmosphere. Not that it has to feel like it's the same world. It's the sort of thing that might end up, assuming it's still well made, uh, might end up working better for people who never watched the original. You know, see, see the RoboCop remake versus RoboCop. I mean, basically, just see any remake more or less versus the original. I believe the uh, the recent one to to throw shade at is Rebecca. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the new one. I, I haven't yet either. But it got torn apart by everyone I saw uh, on the internet. Just well, I mean, maybe remaking a movie that was done by Hitchcock's not the uh... not the best idea. Uh, yeah, uh, who'd yeah. have thought? But doesn't yeah. stop him trying, though, does it? So Ginger Snaps is a thing that is happening. Uh, so then we have another property coming back with all these IPs in development. Uh, Smokey and the Bandit is the next one. <laughs> Which I, I know very little about, uh, other than Burt Reynolds was in it. Uh, but this is uh, being developed uh, from David Gordon Green, of course, who you know directed the recent Halloween and you know comedy movies with uh, what's his face, Diamond Bride. That's the one. Uh, so yeah, they're developing a, a TV show with UCP. That's Universal Cable Productions. So it would likely end up at USA Network, most likely. It doesn't guarantee it there, but it's the most likely home for it, given the company behind it. Uh, the series is described as an epic adventure of family, small town, crime, unlikely heroes, legend, and legacy. Inspired by the genre of 70s and 80s drive-in double features, the series explores the crossroads where humble realities meet the larger-than-life all in a blast of tailpipe exhaust. I will admit, describing it as 70s, 80s drive-ins, like, sort of feeling, that's probably like one of the interesting parts there where I'm like, okay, if you're actually going to aim for kind of like a, like a tone like that, where you're going to try and actually make it feel like it's a, 
kind of mm-hmm. an old school like you know car action movie it, kind of in a serialized form uh, not that i'm saying i expect it to look like a, something from that time by any means just in the sense that you know in the way that some like horror shows what you feel grindhouse say this much they feel like it's of that era kind of thing yeah but that's basically I mean, the, all i can say about it honestly it's it's one of those where i'm like what was sometimes you see you know that these reboots or you know they'll pull a you know an ip that we're familiar with and you go okay i get why they want that right now this one like, was there a big clamoring for this is this just because they could uh, uh well just because you know what uh they want to have a fast and the furious tv show but they want to do it with a different property and they said hey what car related properties do we have that belong to us and someone looked through the list and went smoking the bandit that's cars let's do that then so how many seasons till they go to space probably eight or nine i imagine <laughs> imagine <laughs> uh, i don't know maybe maybe they found an actor with a great mustache and they thought we need to make a new smoking to be the done. bandit <laughs> it's possible yeah yeah but does burt reynolds have a son Hell, probably Burrell's son's probably too old to play. Uh, <laughs> say, yeah. Maybe more of a grandson at this point, but uh wouldn't surprise me. Alright, next up, Amazon has given a series order to sci-fi drama Late Years, uh, which is coming from writer Holden Miller and producer Daniel C. Connolly. Uh the series is a co-production of Amazon Studios and Legendary Television. So, remember Miller, Late Years follows Franklin and Irene York, a couple who years ago discovered a chamber buried in their backyard, which inexplicably leads to a strange, deserted planet. They've carefully guarded their secret ever since, but when an enigmatic young man enters their lives, the York's quiet existence is quickly upended, and the mysterious chamber that they knew so well turns out to be much more than they could have ever imagined. So it's a couple with a, a mysterious portal in their backyard to another planet. Uh, and yeah, then, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the tone of this is. I have no idea either. Uh, I mean, I'm intrigued. Obviously, they say TV show with science fiction next to it, and I'm probably going to check it out. Uh, but... Especially where, with somewhere like Amazon, they'll probably throw the appropriate budget at it. Yeah. I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the, 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 the premise here. Um, yeah. Well... Okay, there you go. That's Light Years. Uh so that's cool and then next up amazon once again amazon have ordered a tv series adaptation of andrew bovell's award-winning play things i know to be true with nicole kidman set to star and executive producer so this is probably gonna be i imagine they're gonna promote the show at this when it's coming out because they got nicole kidman in it yeah uh so you know i feel like amazon more and more recently really feel like they're starting to build up this portfolio to rival netflix's originals this one in particular before you even tell me anything about the description uh, you know, just, okay, based on the play, Nicole Kidman. This feels specifically aimed to rival some of those HBO shows. Mm-hmm. Um, like Big Little Lies. Uh, you know, some, some of the others in that kind of genre of things that HBO the, the, have. The one starring Nicole Kidman is what you're saying. Uh, no, no, but they've got a few, haven't they, that are like that. Yes, yes. Uh, so... Things I Know To Be True is about the resilience of an enduring marriage and the evolving nature of a family's love. As Bob and Fran Price watch their adult children make unexpected decisions that change the course of their lives. Uh, I mean, it's about as dry as one could possibly get, but this will probably be a nice little awards darling for Amazon and they can promote the crap out of it. They've got sci-fi shows coming for us, so they can promote this to And to be fair, sometimes these shows can appeal to us. I mean, they can do, but the description there didn't 
fell me with. It did. No, it did. Didn't. Um, with it, you never know, though. With with enough talent behind the camera, it's possible. Hmm. Uh, sticking with Amazon, uh, they gave me sci-fi. They gave me sort of uh, prestige drama, and now they're giving me fantasy. Well, I say me. Oh, yes. Sign me up. Giving you fantasy. Uh, Amazon's put in development a fantasy drama called uh, Havenfall, uh, based on a novel by Sarah Holland from writer Evan Dottery, who worked on Divergent, uh, and and Lauren Olivier's Glastown Entertainment. So, Havenfall chronicles the story of Maddie, who returns to a place from her youth for the summer, a mysterious hotel called Havenfall Inn. Nestled in the Rockies overlooking a sleepy Colorado town. A place which, unbeknownst to the world, contains portals leading to different fantastical realms. Havenfall has also long served as a neutral territory. So it's the it's the John Wick Hotel, but for fantasy realms. Quite possibly. <laughs> the continental. Well, I mean, John Wick, when you look at it through a mythological lens, I mean, if you look at them all as, you know, as gods... It means, you know, it's not that far off. Ah. Havenfall is the long-served neutral territory that links the realms. But that peaceful status is disrupted by a shocking murder that will force Maddie to confront dark truths about her family. So I got a murder mystery fantasy backdrop. I uh, I retract my previous excitement. But the murder took it away from you? No, just the whole thing. Like, you know, I- I'm uh, modern fantasy. And by modern, I mean, you know, set present day a lot of that doesn't really interest me um there there are very few examples of urban fantasy that really get me good yeah i was gonna uh, say that's a set present day, i'm sure yeah yeah th- th- those tend to not interest me as much oh. um there are only a handful of examples of of that sort of fantasy that do get me what are you talking about you give bright a 10 out of 10 it did not how dare you i give it like I don't know, but I want I'm, I'm I want to say a six at most, but I am cautious in case I didn't, and now I'm worried as to what I did give it. And please don't let me have given it a ten, because it's obviously not. I mean, I was only joking. You don't have to check. And uh, next up, Amazon is back again to the sci-fi. A lot of Amazon shows this uh, news batch. So they've ordered a second series from David Wheel, who's uh, got another show in the works. Uh, or the, the, you know, he's done Hunters with them. He he was behind Hunters, uh, which we did oh, the, okay. the first couple episodes of earlier this year. So this is meant to be debuting next year. It's untitled right now, uh, but it's been in the works for a while. It is described as a dramatic and thought-provoking anthology series that explores the deeper meaning of human connection in the near future. Uh, the sci-fi series will tell seven unique character-driven stories, so it'll be seven episodes then, I assume. Uh, each character will set off on a thrilling adventure in an uncertain future they'll come to reckon that even on our most isolated moments, we are all connected through the human experience. Uh, a lot of fluffy words there that are actually quite vague when you really think about it. But That, that kind of went out of its way to sound pretentious towards the end. Yes. Uh, so, which is probably why I put this uh, after the other sci-fi one, which sounded much more interesting with the portal in the backyard. I, I, I agree. But uh, yes, you know, Hunters. Like the first couple episodes we watched that were all right. I, mean, I didn't feel compelled to, you know, keep watching it. As that's why we didn't keep watching it. But it wasn't like a red flag for the person behind it, though. I don't think. No, it wasn't bad enough that I was like, I'm never watching anything from these people again. But it doesn't like make me excited by attaching their name to something either. Yeah. Next up, Zach Penn's television adaptation of Hugh Howey's sci-fi novel, Beacon 23, 
has actually received an order. Uh, it's a order from two places, Spectrum Originals and AMC. That's right, Spectrum Originals is still a thing. Uh, so, yeah, Pen's going to adapt the series, uh, which was co-commissioned by Spectrum Originals and AMC. Uh, so, you know, uh, Spectrum, if I remember correctly, is Canadian, so I assume that means they'll have it in Canada, AMC will have it in the US. Uh, makes sense. That's what we've seen before, yeah. Yeah. So, set in the darkest recesses of space... The series is a suspenseful thriller and love story where two people are trapped in a lighthouse at the end of the known universe. Oh, I'm into this one. Yeah, I'm kind of into this. Uh, Do they have space lobsters? You're fun to me, lobster, aren't you? You're fun to me, lobster. Uh, <laughs> I took you a few seconds there to register, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, Beacon 23 was originally written by Howie as a f- as part of a five short story series that were put together in novel form and published in 2015. So, uh, which is interesting. I I wonder if uh, if this is a successful show. Like, do, instead of like doing a continuation, do they do another short story by him as like season two, sort of anthology style? I wonder if that'd be where they'd go with it. But uh, mm. so no, I'm intrigued by this one. It sounds good. It does actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested. So speaking of uh, properties coming back, you know we're swinging back round to the to the reboot oh, and things. More, more reboots. Uh, so it turns out that Willow is not just the name of a character from the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Willow was a, t- a movie back in the uh, the eighties starring uh, Leprechaun himself, Warwick Davis. Um, <laughs> Sorry, just call him Warwick. Yes. Warwick. I've always called him that. I've never noticed you say it that way before. And obviously, he's come up in the past. Yeah, I've spoken about him before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so Willow at Disney Plus are uh, bringing this one out of the vault, as it were. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians director John M. Chu is going to direct the pilot for the series, which is going to begin production sometime next year. So this is, uh, yeah, this is interesting. This is actually 18 months after news of the development of an adaptation of the movie directed by Ron Howard. Uh first uh, came up. So, so this is something that we sort of heard about a long time ago, but now there's a director attached, now there's a sort of production time frame. So, I mean, I, I'm a little bit cynical. Obviously, like, tons of properties are coming back. We've mentioned, like, five of them so far in this news. Uh, I'm a little bit cynical, though, with the Disney seem to just be doing that with Disney+, Plus, where it's just farming their old library of things and saying, let's do a new version of this and this and this and this and that's, this. That's because the sad part is it probably works for them. <laughs> they have so many brands that people love that they could just do that forever and no one would get bored. Well, I mean, people would get bored, but not enough for them to lose money on it. Well, they're not impressing me, and that's all I care about, so... What would, what property do they even have that they could reboot that would impress you? Great Matey Ducks reboot, maybe? I don't know. Yes, that's what the people want. <laughs> Uh, the reason why I see Gritty Mate Ducks reboot is I remember this is, this is, it's actually so funny that I'm I'm I'm, ta- I'm about to bring up like a Photoshop meme that I saw like eleven years ago. Uh, <laughs> Deep but, cut for the internet here. <laughs> but it was uh it was when the Friday the Thirteenth remake was coming out and the poster was just this hockey mask you know because it was Jason's hockey mask and someone photoshopped it into the it was like just it was the same thing but it, it shaped it into the, the duck style hockey mask <laughs> and it just said quack at the bottom and i've always ever since that i've just had this image in my head of the gritty mighty ducks reboot <laughs> that will come someday that's actually quite a good meme <laughs> 
<laughs> I just, I just love you because obviously so many like teaser posters for movies, especially when it's like a sequel or a reboot or something. Something's coming back. They they can just put a simple phrase or a word that means something to the fan base. And I just love the idea of of the of the the duck hockey mask with the word quack, just quack on it, so nothing else, just quack. Does the job though, doesn't it? Quack twenty twenty five or so. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, you're giving them a deadline. Um, it was a hypothetical year, okay? Um, I, I, have no, I have no idea what Willow's about. Uh, tell me. The fantasy film starred Warwick Davis. There's a W there. I think I'm saying it right. Yeah, it's still, it's a place. It's Warwick. Believe me, it's next door I grew up. Warwick. It's fine. Uh, Warwick Davis. Hey, no F-bombs. I'm sorry, you just, you infuriated me so much then. <laughs> Warby Davis is a reluctant farmer who plays a critical role in protecting a special boy from a tyrannical queen who vows to destroy her and take over the world. Uh, Val Kilmer, Joanne Wally, Jean Marsh, and Billy Barty also starred. Yeah, I never, I've never seen Willow. Uh, I, I, I can't say I have much of a desire to seek it out. Somewhat more surprisingly, I have also not seen Willow, although it does sound something I'd probably enjoy, let's be honest. Oh god, there's something else coming back. <laughs> I'm really glad I never instituted a drink every time there's a reboot rule for this show, because tonight would kill me. Maybe you should. Uh, this is actually where the Paramount Plus thing came from, where I learned about this. So Paramount Plus oh, okay. uh, are doing a reboot show of Flashdance. So Flashdance is coming back. <laughs> well, what a feeling. Why? Because they want us to all to say... What a feeling when we see how good it looks and feel it, feel it in our bones, and we're like, "What a feeling!" Yes, that was definitely the plan. <laughs> the 1983 movie star Jennifer Beals, um, it marked the first hit for Jerry Bruckheimer, which is so funny to think about. <laughs> but it is actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, the series reboot, uh, first reported by the Hollywood Reporter, will revolve around a young black woman with a ballet dreams and a strip club reality who struggles to find her place in the world while navigating romance, money, art, friendship, and how to love herself. I think that falls under professional. I was just, I was, I was yeah, questioning. Do you, and personal. Do you think? Yeah, because it was navigating her, her dreams and trying to like make that happen whilst also romance, money, art. I mean, hell, even just romance and money side by side is personal and professional when you think about it. <laughs> uh, not inherently, but in this case, I think I'm going to give it to you. There you go. So, Flashdance reboot is happening. I'm I'm overthrilled with joy. Take I mean, your, take your passion and make it happen. You finished? Alright, next up. Awesome names in this one. HBO's given a series order to an adaptation of Joe Nesbo's novel The Sun with Jake Gyllenhaal going to star in it with uh, Denis Villeneuve on board to direct. Oh, I feel like I've read a Jonas book, but I don't know if I have or not. I need to see. Mm. I need to. The series yeah. uh, was based on the number one New York Times best-selling novel, which was described as a tale of vengeance set amid Oslo's brutal hierarchy of corruption. The story follows Sonny uh, Luff uh, Luffus You know what? I can't wait to watch it just to hear how this is pronounced. Uh, an escaped convict and an opioid addict who can't recall his past on the run from the law toward an unknown truth. So, yeah, you got a bit of a thriller, kind of... I don't want to quite say born identity thing there, because I don't think he's going to be as skilled as that, but you can sort of see... No, but I think that's kind of in line with a lot of what their books are, like, yeah. Mm. 
kind of the, the crime thriller sort of thing. Yeah. No, admittedly, Hall and Denny together again. So, that, that's the selling point. It's a good point. team, yeah. yeah. So HBO is going for the star power here, and it'll probably end up being a really good... Uh, anyway, this is obviously like, a limited series. It's not going to be... Let, let, let's be honest. You t- tell us there's a show coming from, you know, those pair. You, we probably didn't need to read anything else before we decided, yeah, we're, we're already going to try this. Next up... Wait, where are we here? So, Spectrum Originals, oh, there's that name again, has given a straight-to-series order to the second wave, a six-episode pandemic-themed drama from the good fight and evil creators Robert and Michelle King. So, yes. Uh, crea- we had something along this lines last time as well, right? I don't know if it was last time. We had, we have had a couple of things uh, now. Um, yeah. Created and written uh, by Robert Michelle King, the second wave follows an unexpected deadly second wave uh, of the current thing that we're going through <laughs> in New York City. It follows the lives of two neighbours, Rachel and Lily, as they navigate life in quarantine in New York City. Well, Rachel juggles her many uh, telemedicine clients. I had to think. I've never seen the word telemedicine before. I had to think Not about it. Not me either, it. actually. Uh, her many telemedicine clients. I mean, I get what it means from context, but I just yeah. had to think about it. Uh, as well as a shaky, passionless marriage, Lily is upstairs trying to convince her Wall Street clientele that her very specific skill set is still just as valuable over video as it was in person. When an unexpected deadly second wave of the virus arrives, we follow the two women as they face unprecedented times while still juggling their careers, their loved ones, and possibly at the end of the world. That okay. was that was. Yes, I'm definitely sure. going to drink yes. for that. Two. What do you mean, <sighs> unexpected second wave? It's happening right now, you pricks. <laughs> yeah, by the time this comes out, we'll be on like the fourth wave, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, God. This is, like, outdated. Oh. Terrible. And, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking. Well, they could probably update that in the strip. Don't worry, until they shoot it. They'll, they'll, they'll put in, like, fifth wave or something. To... <laughs> How many times will it just be crossed out and underneath just say the next one? Oh, yeah. Eventually, yeah. someone yeah. with a brain is going to walk in, score out, and just put umpteenth. <laughs> and it'll be good no matter what. It'll work, yeah. Uh, next up, Hulu is put in development a show called Wild Rabbit, a one-hour drama from Randy McKinnon uh, and Richard Brown's Passenger for Mental and 20th Television. Just call it 20th Century Television. I'm going to complain about this every time I get to it. Uh, Randy McKinnon, Wild Rabbit is described as a love story exploring perseverance, passion, and true partnership. Inspired by events from McKinnon's own life, it follows college sports phenom Montel Harris, who has the world at his fingertips. But life changes after he is assaulted and suffers a career-ending injury just weeks before draft day. Now forced to figure out a new plan to survive his impoverished uh, Miami neighborhood and take care of his family, he is lured into the dark underworld of performance-enhancing drugs. So, very specific focus there that we probably don't know a whole lot about, uh, but... uh, Yeah, and probably doesn't inherently appeal to either of us that much. No, it's just a thing though where you've got uh, like a character get into sort of the dark sort of underworld and you know, you could describe Breaking Bad like that. <laughs> so it's always yeah, possible. I mean, it's not a million miles away from how you could potentially describe, I don't know, Quarry. Yeah, yeah, Quarry is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so admittedly, I'm still kind of waiting for, like, I mean, Hulu had the one big like thing for us and that's Man- Handmaid's Tale and that's kind of wavered a bit as the seasons have went on but um, I think I'm kind of waiting now since that for like Hulu's next big like okay this is their claim to like really compete with the others. I mean, 
I know what it is. Yeah, it's gone. It's the Animaniacs. <sighs> Shut up. I'm, I'm not saying I don't care about <laughs> that. I'm saying that that's not the same as the prestige TV no, that we're talking I, I, I about. Know. But I, I, I actually watched the trailer for that last week, and it looks quite good. Are you talking about the scene one. from Jurassic Park, the parody? No, no, the one, the, the actual trailer they put out later. Yeah. I like the Jurassic Park scene. Uh, uh, that was also good as well, but they had a you know a proper trailer a little bit later. Uh, I have to admit though, I I only saw the odd Animaniacs as a kid. It was it wasn't something I really saw a whole lot of, so I don't have a whole lot of attachment to it. It's got Pinky in the Brain in it though. I mean, yeah, that's the same sort of thing. Like I saw enough of that that I know the theme song, but I didn't see a whole lot of it either. Oh, oh, I saw a lot of that. Um, we're kind of Pinky in the Brain in a lot of ways. Thank you. Come on, you're you're the lanky looking one. Lanky. Yeah. I'm not even that tall. <laughs> yeah, but when the hair I, grows in, you I, get a bit taller. <laughs> I'm not sure that counts. <laughs> Besides, you might still be taller than me. I don't know. I don't know how tall you are. I'm in the ballpark, I think. But I'm clearly the brains of the operation. All right, shut up. Um. Next up, uh, Terence Winter, who's the creator of Boardwalk Empire, is teaming with Astrolite. Uh, a San Francisco-based independent production company to develop a true crime limited series based on the 2003 book Friends of the Family, the inside story of the Mafia Cops case uh, by former NYPD detective Tommy De- uh, Dedez and former Brooklyn prosecutor Mike uh, Vachoni, Vish- uh, actually, it's probably Vachoni, uh, and David Fisher. So, uh, the book chronicles the true story of uh, the Stephen uh, Caracapa and Luis. Uh, what did I say, Luis? Luis <laughs> uh, Polito. I don't, there's so many names here that I'm really having to think about that I, I struggled with a normal name. That like, no, I don't know what that is. You, th- you throw out some weird concoction of what yeah. it could be in uh, another world. Two, two decorated MIPD police detectives who secretly worked on behalf of the New York Mafia, uh, principally uh, the Lucchese and Gambino crime families, while committing serious crimes including racketeering, bribery, and kidnapping and murder. So uh, you, you get why someone's determined to turn this into a, a TV show, because it's juicy with the, the double agent side of things. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's not inherently appealing to me, I have to admit, but I can see why, he, why like, so, someone from Boardwalk Empire is going to develop this and shop it yeah. around to the big places. I get the appeal. I mean, I'm personally not that big on any sort of mafia things anyway, and true crime stuff as a rule, again, doesn't really take my fancy that much, so I'm probably not the audience for this, but I'm sure there is an audience for this, you know, that... that you know, very much enjoy this. Yeah, next up, CW is... Oh, God, what now? A, 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 I, so, they're doing... like so, so, they have Nancy Drew, right? And apparently that's sure. been successful enough, you know, it's getting a second season, whatever. But this article starts off by saying the CW is building out its Drewniverse because it's developing a spin-off uh so deep breaths yes uh so yes yeah uh so based on this you know series of books by tom swift uh, blah blah um yeah I, this, this is all very what is it what is this spin-off uh oh it's to- tom swift did i say it was by tom swift sorry tom swift is the, the name yes you said by tom swift sorry sorry that yeah 
Uh, yeah, Tom Swift is the series of books. Uh, okay. uh, I guess he's the, the dude version of Nancy Drew. Uh, we'll find out in a second when I read the description, but that, that's my... Uh, my my assumption here uh, the project will feature a black gay lead in the title role and it comes from nancy drew co-creator executive producers uh, josh schwartz and stephanie savage uh, with their fake empire uh productions company so yeah uh, so tom swift follows the serialized adventures of its titular black gay billionaire inventor <laughs> <laughs> billionaire inventor they left that part of the first paragraph yeah. uh, who is thrust into a world of sci-fi conspiracy and unexplained phenomena after the shocking disappearance of his father tom takes the to the road on a quest to unravel the truth leaving behind the comforts of his unusual uh, moneyed lifestyle all while fighting to stay one step ahead of an illuminati scale group hell-bent on stopping him Tom's missions will require his genius and flair for innovation, guided by love, romance, friendship, and the mysteries of the universe yet unsolved. Do you know what? I'll give them props that their spin-off that's in the same universe as Nancy Drew. Uh, If it even, in fact, I'm not sure if it's actually going to be set in the same universe. Well, they're calling it a Drewniverse, so it has to be. Well, I'm wondering if they're just sort of saying, oh, it's kind of connected, but it's not. the shows themselves aren't going to be connected. But... Like, if it is connected, I I do appreciate that this, like, because obviously Nancy Drew is all this, like, you know, sort of late murder mystery sort of stale kind stuff. Kind of vaguely supernatural, right? Yeah, slightly supernatural, but I kind of like the idea that the spin-off's like a sci-fi, like, billionaire kind of adventure story. I am... Um, Very different. I wish the quality of CW shows wasn't so bloody appalling, <laughs> because that sounds potentially fun, and I, I would like to actively support, you know, all the... The, the you know the you know, CW do great with diversity stuff uh you know in in terms of just having such a diverse cast oh. of you know leads as well I hear but not just this show across the board they're pretty good at that stuff uh, update the, here the quality of their shows is so bad uh, the update here uh apparently he's going to appear in an episode of Nancy Drew to set set up so it is full on crossover same it's, universe it's, it's full universe it's full universe yes <laughs> uh he's going to appear in the upcoming season uh and then that'll spin out into his own thing yeah okay yeah yeah apparently yeah the, the the plans are for tom to crash into nancy's investigations and in an event where nancy interprets a, a supernatural thing happening but it's actually just uh uh to, or tom believes it's actually you know science fictiony so it's, 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 they're going to you know debate and go at it from different angles and see which yeah. one and somehow they'll both be right somehow yes uh so that's that uh, next up nbc is given a put pilot commitment to uh, Sovereign, uh, which is coming from Ava DuVernay um, and Bird Running Water, the project written by Sydney Freeland uh, and Shaz Bennett, uh, based on a story from DuVernay. Uh, it's going to be a Native American family drama. Uh, Sovereign chronicles the lives and loves and loyalties of a sprawling indigenous family struggling to control the future of their tribe against the outside forces and themselves. Pretty short description. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, NBC. This right? NBC. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, unfortunately, on NBC, this doesn't interest me as a premise. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll change my mind. But if you gave me that description and told me it was a HBO show, for example, I'd be like, okay, I'm I'm intrigued. There's there's lots of things they can do with it. Whereas you tell me it's an NBC show, <laughs> okay, it's going to be a network show. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Uh, I mean, I appreciate them trying to do more diverse things like this. Like, I feel like Native Americans are kind of like probably the the culture I 
see the most often who pop in for like a guest episode of something to be the sort of spiritual characters and it feels very appropriation sort of heavy and just kind of goofy like you know, i've not even seen a lot of the x-files but there was definitely an episode of season one of the x-files where he did it there's been episodes there's at least two or three episodes was, of tales, tales from the crypt that did it like there was it, a whole like half a season of it on smallville i mean it happens constantly so i think actually having you know a show that's uh about a native american you know group of characters is probably a really good idea uh it, it, it is objectively a good thing but we can we can wish it was somewhere better Yes, the actual quality of the show is probably not going to appeal to me very much, but uh, that is what it is. Uh, NBC is working on a show called Family History, a medical drama. Uh, your favourite. Uh, with a script commitment, uh, plus sizable penalty, this article's calling it. Sizable uh, penalty. Mm. Uh, uh, the resident co-executive producer, uh, uh, Marquis Jackson, uh, is behind it. So, in family history, the Vincents, a family of African-American doctors, buy the inner city hospital where they lost one of their own in order to better serve their community. But long-buried family secrets rise to the surface and threaten to tear them apart. Um, I think that was an argument for pers- uh, personal and professional I, lives in there. Um, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, mm, it's, it's borderline, isn't it? The only thing that sticks out to me about this, you know, because obviously it's just a medical drama on a network TV station that I'm not interested is that I'm pretty sure it was only about a year or two ago where there was this very similar premise about like like four doctors in the one family having to work together at the same hospital. And and I vaguely remember us going, it's a lot of doctors for one family. Yeah, and now it's happening again with this show. So, I mean, go, go on, sure. Why not? Uh, go on, I'll drink for it as well. Why not? Uh, but don't worry, don't worry. We've got some, uh, some CBS goodies to wrap up with. Oh, shit. So CBS has put in development uh, Drama's Activation from Katrina O'Gilvy um, and Tempest from Jeff Bueller. So there's two, two, two in this particular article. Uh, so Activation revolves around a group of highly trained disaster relief experts comprising of a wide array of specialities and skill sets. Uh, they risk their lives as the first boots on the ground navigating in all manner of emergency situations. Very s- yeah, it sounds like a CBS show. I feel I feel like they, they stop pretending they're actual professions and this one is just... No, nah, they just respond to things happening. They're not specifically police, they're not specifically firefighters, they're not specifically, you know, anything else. Coast Guard is usually the, one. They're the DRU. <laughs> uh, and Tempest... Uh, centers around an ex-army intelligence officer. My god, these descriptions, they all sound so goddamn boring. Ex-army intelligence officer and her survivalist brother-in-law as they work together to solve the mysterious death of her husband. <laughs> the discovery that he was one of the 127 test subjects in a top-secret government mind control program. Oh, that's a little science fiction Okay, okay, you're getting me a lot more interested. I, mean, I, I, I do, emphasis on little. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was say, yeah. How, uh, yeah, let's be clear of how little. Yes. Uh, top secret government main control program led them to track down and save the remaining test subjects before they commit the most heinous acts of terror uh, in recent history. So, bit of a conspiracy, mild sci-fi elements, but ultimately uh, sounds pretty dull. Because it's... Yep. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Uh, but we do have at least one more CBS thing to wrap up with. Oh, CBS 
is adapting a German police procedural dramedy. It's called Einstein. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, the German show came out in 2017. Um, and is a police procedural dramedy about the unknown great-great-grandson of Albert Einstein <laughs> who is solving murder cases. <laughs> I kind of want to see the German version because I feel like it might be quite quirky. Um, it might be actually funny. Yeah. Um, they know what they're but doing. But you just know CBS are going to play it straight. Yes. So CBS, uh, writer, director, or sorry, writer, executive producer, insatiable creator, Lauren uh, Gussis, uh, an executive produced by American Gothic creator Kareen uh, Brinkerhoff. It centers on a roguish, out-of-the-box thinking physics professor who happens to be the secret illegitimate great-granddaughter of Albert Einstein. She begrudgingly partners with the Boston Homicide Detective, uh, the, the police department, uh, not only to help solve the most puzzling of crimes, but also to address the problems of ever-present inside the institution of policing itself. In addition to switching the gender of the Einstein great-grandchild, uh, the adaptation will uh, provide the 2020 perspective on policing, uh, which comes uh, under major scrutiny following the death of George Floyd. So CBS are going to actually try and use the character to question uh, police procedure and Well, all corruption. I'm going to say is, if, if there was any network that in my head I associated with the word copaganda more uh-huh. than any other, it, it would be CBS. I feel like Fox kind of probably a bit no, on they're, they're like they're up there as well but i'm not sure cbs has the um the authority to to the audacity to tackle something like that i mean look if, if it actually pulls it off and is a nuanced look at this subject then fair play when that happens my expectation right now though is they want the cheap cred for for doing it without it actually addressing anything you know and it's very cynical as well when they have like 10 other cop shows and other you know, across the week, potentially. And then here's the token one that's like, see, we're, f- we're fixing the problem. Yeah. So I, I'm sceptical uh, yeah. uh, right now, but you never know. But, yes. So, that's yeah, they made it sound more generic. It's, you know, like, it, it actually sounds like a Fox show. They're partners, but one of them is Einstein's great-great-granddaughter. It, it does sound a lot like a Fox show. <laughs> Did CBS poach all of those this year? Uh, possibly. Maybe Fox were running behind. You know, the pandemic's made them slower at picking things up, so they've not been uh, grabbing some of these prime Fox material quite as quickly. Uh, but there you go. That is the news for the week. We're done. Wrapped up. We made it. Yes. Uh, so there's <laughs> not actually a lot to tell you about TV reviews, review-wise. I, I have the final Utopia review coming in the next couple of days, so you can look forward to that. And obviously we're doing Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Uh, but unfortunately, November is actually shockingly quiet as far as uh, shows that are of interest to us starting. So, yeah. um, Especially as Pete wasn't interested in talking about The Mandalorian anymore. Definitely not. No. Which, uh, which started back this week and is very, very good. Almost a full hour for the first episode, by the way. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's to be expected going forward for the whole season. I kind of hope so, because it felt good. I don't care. I really... I know. I really do not care. Um, so... Yeah, not much to kind of shove down your throats promotion-wise <laughs> at the end of this one. Uh, but of course, you know, uh, always more coming. Uh, the Patreon post for the $10 patrons suggesting pilots to uh, review uh, went up, of course, on the first as it usually does. Uh, worth mentioning, though, um, 
you know, one of our patrons responded to it, uh, just suggesting some old pilots to do and instead of new things. And I thought, you know what, maybe we'll pick one of those and do it because it actually sounds like a fun idea when there's nothing else on. Um, so, you know, if you're a patron at $10 and up, go suggest things. And whatever one sounds the most interesting to us, we'll, we'll do. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're looking at sort of uh, getting back up to date on some other things that we've let, ling- uh, you know, linger behind for the last couple of months. Uh, but... Uh, hopefully we can uh, keep the TV news coming yeah. consistently. And uh, uh, yeah, I think um, October was pretty busy with all the the screams horror movies. So mm-hmm. obviously, if you're on the YouTube channel, that should slow down again now. Uh, very much well should. Um, in fact, it's actually going to be going a little bit slower than it usually was beforehand because we're in kind of a uh, Tim's paternity leave mode, which is not to say that he's on paternity leave yet, but we are stacking episodes up for his absence, and as a result, we are you know cutting back a little bit it's just one episode a week strictly that's it for the foreseeable future until he's back and recording again after the birth of the child which is a number of months away but we have to stock a lot of episodes up uh, before we can uh you know get there so uh but yeah that's pretty much it uh, we mentioned patreon earlier uh, like and subscribe all those usual things uh, get us on the twitters at mail underscore fudge for channel updates but otherwise that is us uh, also, probably worth me, I should probably promote this more, but there's a second channel called Mail Fuzz TV Live where I do occasional streams. Sometimes we do watch party stuff where we all watch movies at the same time. Uh, sometimes we play video games. Uh, go and have a look, see if you're interested I in Expect any of that. a lot of video games in a couple of weeks' time, I, I expect. Uh, potentially, yes. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV, guys. Have you got any vanilla? Bye.